All right, good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. The bell's ringing, that's our cue. Um, normally, if the children were <laughs> with us at eight o'clock, um, we would stand and we would begin. <clears throat> but of course, um, they're home at the moment, um, isolating due to potential COVID exposure. So uh, we're all gathered together here as a congregation and school at 9 a.m. Uh, to study God's word together, to pray together, um, to memorize and confess together God's, God's word and our doctrine. All right. So I see many of you have checked in. I, looking at the numbers here, it looks like most of those that will join us have joined us. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse together, all together. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5. All right, I don't know if you heard, if I could hear you. Well, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> Electronic here. Um, say it with me, all right? So let's try it again. Say it out loud. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5. Good. All right, and let's pray our psalm, Psalm 131, together. You can see it there on the screen. Say it with me. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, just looking to see here. Yeah, looks like somebody else is streaming out. All right, so that's affecting my connection, but so it is. All right, we continue our reading um, through 1 Corinthians. Now we're into chapter 4 and into chapter 5. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. Now, some are puffed up, 
as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? It is exactly, exactly, or excuse me, actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man with his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged, as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly, or since you truly are unleavened. For in indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. All right, there ends the reading. Uh, now we did a study of the book of First Corinthians for our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, that was online only, uh, that we did, uh, I think it was earlier this year, right? I can't remember. It's been a kind of crazy time, right? Uh, and when we considered this, uh, we talked at length about uh, the nature of the Christian congregation. And Paul's been talking about that the last few days in our readings. And I think we need to remember, um, what is he likening the Christian congregation to here? Here it's been likened to that of a a piece of bread, all right? A piece of bread. And that bread is uh, leavened, all right? So it, that's like a yeast or um, sourdough. In, the, in terms of sourdough, it would be uh, just natural yeast or bacteria in the air. And then the bread rises as it bakes or even before it bakes, right? Um, so the Christian congregation is likened here to be like a piece, uh, a loaf of bread. Uh, many grains being joined together into one body or one loaf, all right? Um, but he's, he says, be careful what is leavening, giving you your, um, if you like, your life. What what are you receiving that giving your, is giving you your life? Is it um, Jesus Christ, who is the Passover lamb, who was sacrificed for us? Or is it uh, the leaven of malice and wickedness of, um, what was the other thing? old leaven, right? Malice and wickedness. And so what he's pointing out here is that in this congregation in Corinth, um, there is there is though someone um, who is committing sexual immorality, and this is apparently someone who's done it quite publicly, everybody knows, he's writing it in the letter, and uh, somebody of some notoriety, probably the per one of the people who gives the most money to the church, if you had to guess. And so um, they're setting aside what God has said about such things, and instead, they're allowing this, to, or they're tolerating this for the sake of unity, for the sake of um, finances, maybe, um, or not caught rocking the boat too much. And what Paul's pointing out is that by allowing 
um, such blatant outward sin to continue amongst them, they're actually not finding their life in Christ, but they're finding their life um, in this wickedness, right? And that it ultimately will corrupt the whole loaf. loaf. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf, right? I don't know if you've ever had bad yeast, but uh, it does happen. All right. So um, this is why the Christian congregation, in the spirit of gentleness, do um, does correct those who are living uh, outwardly, as as is evident in their public life, outwardly uh, contrary to the Christian confession for the sake of the unity of the church. And also, as he says here, um, regarding that man, right? Deliver such a one to Satan uh, for the destruction of the flesh that, here's the goal, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, you know, that he repent and they believe the gospel again. That's always the goal. All right. Um, so <laughs> this is much like discipline of parents to children or uh, students. This is like when your teachers point out uh, what you've done that is wrong. It's not to hurt or harm you. It's that you would repent and believe again the gospel um, and that you would live your life in forgiveness of sins and not um, in whatever it is that you've done that is wrong or against God's word. Okay, moving along, our reading for catechesis, we continue in 1 Kings. Yesterday we were in uh, chapter 21, the first part. Today, now we have Elijah's uh, confrontation with Ahab. Remember yesterday we were talking about Naboth and his vineyard and the way that uh, Jezebel, the, the wicked queen, conspired using Ahab's authority um, to get the vineyard from Naboth for her husband, for the king. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is, in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provo provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel his wife stirred him up, and he behaved more, very ab abdom ab abominably, man, that's a hard word to say, abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, 
I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. There ends the reading. All right. I'm going to try to get my computer to say that word. <laughs> See if I can practice it. Abominably. Abominably. Yeah, that's how you say it. I think if you put the accent on the right syllable, you get it right. Abominably. All right, there we go. So let's do some catechesis on the reading. Hopefully you can see it all there on the screen. Yeah, there we go. All right, so who came to Ahab as he was in the vineyard? That would be Elijah, who we know quite well, right? The prophet. And uh, what does Elijah accuse Ahab of? You see it right here in verse 19. Thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession, right? He murdered Naboth and he stole his inheritance. We talked about that yesterday. And what's the judgment from the Lord as a result of what he has done? See that right also in verse 19. In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, Ahab's blood. Right? So Ahab will receive a similar judgment as Naboth did. Uh, what did Ahab then say to Elijah? Notice what he calls him. Now, Elijah's coming with the word of the Lord. And what does he say to Elijah? Have you found me, O my enemy? What does he turn God's word into? He's turned the word of the Lord into his enemy. Don't make God your enemy. You'll see what happens. All right. Uh, so why was Elijah sent to Ahab? He tells him, right? I have found you. Here it is in verse 20. Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Right? And then you see the judgment as a result of his wickedness, his rebellion against God. Right? You see that in verse 21 and 22. I have it highlighted there on the screen for you. What's going to happen to every male descendant of Ahab, whether slave or free? who will be cut off, right, from the providence of the Lord, because, they, because Ahab had provoked the Lord and caused Israel to sin. Remember um, what the Lord said uh, on the mountain, on Sinai, by way of Moses, Deuteronomy, mm, probably 32, I think, right, that um, visiting the sins of the Father upon the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, right, but showing mercy to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So here, um, God is pronouncing judgment upon the sons of Ahab, who will be just as rebellious as their father. Right? And then what will happen, of course, to those who die as a result? Those who die in the city, the dogs will eat, right? Just like with Jeroboam. We talked about that, and we didn't read Baasha, the son of Ahijah. That's a couple generations later, but similar. Um, again, same judgment. Dogs eat those in the city, birds of the air feed on those who die in the country, the carrion birds. No one will be there to bury them. Excuse me. Um, then what's the judgment upon Jezebel, the idolatrous and wicked queen? It says the dogs will eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Now, all of this, I mean, we, we, we didn't talk about this with Jeroboam, uh, but we could have. But this idea of dogs um, in the city, this comes up in the New Testament again. Um, and you think about 
the story. It's actually, it's, it's not described as a parable, although it sounds quite like a parable. It's in uh, Luke 16. We hear this every year. It's the same Sunday. Um, we sing of, uh, Lord, thee I love with all my heart is the hymn of the day. To Abram's bosom, bear me home. That should be a hint. It's the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, right? And uh, you'll remember that poor Lazarus was laid at the gate of the rich man, and then the dogs came and didn't consume um, the poor beggar named Lazarus, but rather um, licked his sores, licked his sores. And what did um, poor Lazarus receive? Yeah, an inheritance of the resurrection to life, right? So you see, it's very much like this story, except it's the opposite, right? Here the dogs um, consume the wicked, and in the story of Lazarus, the dogs providing care for the one who receives eternal life and resurrection. Then you have an editorial note. You could have put the brackets around this because the author just gives us a note and said, well, you know, there's many more things that Ahab said and did that aren't written here. <laughs> um, but in case you didn't understand, it says that there's, we, we heard this when we were first introduced to Ahab. Here it is again in verse 25 and 26. What is it about the kingship of Ahab? Yeah, there's never been anyone, not even just a king, no one like Ahab um, who has sold himself to do evil or wickedness in the sight of the Lord, right? Um, and it even says that he became, he behaved abominably um, in following after idols, not even at, like an Israelite, but rather like the Amorites, like the Amorites had done. Maybe we should translate abominably <laughs> since I had a hard time saying it. Um, we'll translate it here. All right, abominably uh, in English. Okay, where's my dictionary? Uh, why is it not giving me a dictionary? Look up. There we go. Um, to behave very unpleasantly or unfairly, very badly. All right. Uh, sometimes when we have problems trying to figure out a good uh, use for the word, it's good to look at um, thesauruses. That's a book that has synonyms, right? So reprehensibly, badly, dreadfully, appallingly, brutally, abysmally, nauseatingly, horridly, nastily, atrociously, horrifyingly, ex execrably, what, execrably, excuse me, foully, wretchedly, miserably, oh, we just keep going, horribly, thank you, Eileen, see that in the chat, <laughs> damnably, diabolically, disgustingly, all right, so we got lots there. Um, the other thing that's helpful to do when you have a hard time um, knowing what a word um, is, is to actually uh, look and see where it came from, all right? And that's called its etymology, and uh, we do this sometimes in class. Let's see, where is it from? Uh, nobody is giving its etymology, so maybe abominable. There we go. That comes from... That's the adjective. Comes from the old French, which is from the Latin. Um, ab, meaning away from, and homina, as an in inhuman. All right, so it's done not behave as a human. Ah, okay. That's helpful, right? So to behave away from, so we could say inhumanely, inhumanely. Um, this is that's actually really helpful because following after idols is uh, rather than following after the true God is to be less than who God has made you to be, to be less than human, right? And so sin actually makes us less human and more um, reprehensible, more like the demons, right? 
All right, so there you go. That's a really helpful thing. Glad I looked that up. All right. Uh, how does Ahab react to the judgment then from Elijah? Verse 27. Yeah, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth on his body. That's that itchy fabric that you use to hold grain, right? He fasted. Um, doesn't put on ashes. But that's another sign of repentance or of grieving, right? So these, this is a way of indicating to, um, in their culture, indicating to Elijah that he's heard the word and that um, he's changed his mind about his sin. Um, you might think of another king who committed murder. We read this, well, probably a month or two ago now, right? And that was King David. Remember, how did David react when the judgment of the Lord came upon him? When uh, Nathan, the prophet, came and spoke to David? Just the same with David, right? He lay in sackcloth and he repented and he grieved his sin. And then what's the significance? Um, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Um, note what happens then. Um, Elijah declares by the Lord um, humil that because Ahab has humbled himself, um, there's going to be, the, the judgment is still going to happen, but God's going to withhold that judgment for a time right? Um, within his lifetime. So Ahab will have, because of his repentance, will um, withhold the judgment for a time. All right. And then you'll see in chapter 22, which we're not going to read. So I'm just going to read it for you now. So the very next verse, 22 verse one, it's not on your screen. So just listen. Now, three years passed without war between Syria, which is where Ahab is king, and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. All right? So, but the key there is three years. Three years. Now, when we talk about three, anytime we see three, we might think Holy Trinity, so we think of God, but we also think of the three-day rest in the tomb, right? So death and resurrection. And anytime we see um, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that's a little, little resurrection, pointing forward to the greater resurrection um, that happens on the last day. It was just like um, what St. Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians, right? That the man would repent. That doesn't mean he wouldn't suffer in this life as a result of his sin, but that in repentance, he would receive the resurrection on the last day, right? Uh, forgiveness, eternal life. Same here with uh, Ahab. Um, based off of this, it's possible that Ahab is in the resurrection, he, as wicked as he was. But the last thing we hear of him is his repentance and um, God setting aside his sin and showing him mercy. How's that for an incredible story, huh? God's mercy, even to wicked, the most wicked man who has ever lived up to that point. <laughs> All right. Shows us the love and compassion of God that he even loves a sinner like Ahab. Hmm. So meditation then, those who try to steal the inheritance of the Lord through their crafty labors shall surely perish. The inheritance is gained through faith in the promise. But Ahab had rejected that promise by his abominable worship of idols. Ahab had sold himself to do evil, even though he had been called as one of the redeemed of the Lord. Yet the word of the Lord shattered the heart of wickedness and brought about repentance that led to the good news that the calamity would not befall him in his life. 
So we daily hear the condemnations of the law, but take comfort in the good news that the dogs have surrounded our Lord upon the cross, that we might be heirs of the resurrection of the body and the life. All right. So uh, we'll pick up with Second Kings uh, next week, uh, Monday and Tuesday. There's no, there's no uh, congregation at prayer uh, for the school formally, but we will have online congregation at prayer. I'm going to do something special Monday and Tuesday. I'm going to be out of town as well as the teachers, but um, uh, I'll pre-record those for you. So um, children, you can still tune in on Monday and Tuesday, even though your teachers, um, I don't think, are having formal instruction those days. And of course, everyone else as well. Uh, and you can join us tomorrow, of course, as we'll prepare for Sunday morning. But with that, let's continue by confessing out loud together the second article uh, of the Creed, its explanation. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right, let's pray together out loud the collect of the week. You can see it on your screen. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray today in Thanksgiving with Liz, Renee, and Ray, who all celebrate their birthday, with Travis, who celebrates his baptism. We pray today with Kevin and Kim, who rejoice in their anniversary. Pray for the households of our church, especially this week, for that of Jessica, Alex and Emma, Jim and Elaine, Ashley, Robert, and Jim and Karen. Continue to pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Ken, Norman, Sandy, Kathy, and Mike. We pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially our mission of the month, the Federowitz family. We ask the Lord to give us victory over the world. And we pray for those who are grieving, especially the family and friends of Reverend Herzog. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week. Salvation unto us has come, stanzas 6 through 10. God who saved us by his grace, 
It's good to have you all with us here today. We have our congregation members, we've got our teachers, we've got parents, we've got our students. Um, you can come and join with us each day at 9 a.m. The children will continue to join us uh, through next week, I think. And uh, uh, we pray together, we confess together, we learn God's word together, we learn to confess out loud the catechism together, and we commit to memory uh, God's word as well. All right, so um, join us tomorrow morning. We'll hear the Old Testament and epistle readings for the for Sunday, and that will help and prepare us along with some devotional reading for Sunday's divine service, which is at 9.30 a.m. here in person at St. John. All right, and uh, then you can join us again on Monday and Tuesday. I think we're going to, um, well, we'll consider the two commemorations on Monday and Tuesday. So commemoration of Johann Staupitz, which is Luther's father confessor, on Monday, and then Tuesday, I believe, is um, Martin Chemnitz, a famous theologian we'll hear. Um, I've got a whole, what, like 18 volumes of Martin Chemnitz, so <laughs> I have plenty that we could read from Chemnitz, um, but he's worth uh, considering as well. All right, so Lord be with you all, keep you safe, and we'll see you again in the morning. <laughs>